Clean, non-toxic, plant-based, and made in California. Earth source skin and body care that elevates your vibe. We feel best when we're living clean and simple with products that fit our conscious lifestyle. The average hair product has over 30 ingredients, consisting primarily of alcohols, toxins, and other junk. Jack Henry's best-selling clay pomade has a total of four ingredients, organic French lavender and MCT oil, beeswax, and bentonite clay. These ingredients nourish your hair and scalp while giving your hair an all-day hold, humidity and sweat resistant while adding thickness, texture, and volume. Visit jackhenry.co and enter promo code TWF at checkout for 20% off your order. Welcome back to another episode of the Way Forward Podcast with Alex Zek. For your situational awareness, this will be episode number 15, and we will end this season with episode 20 towards the end of December or the beginning of January. Then we'll take like a month break and reconvene in around February for season number two. Um, And that season, I already have some amazing, amazing, amazing guests lined up that I'm really excited to show you, but I just want to make sure that I get those right, you know, um, So thank you for tagging along and listening thus far. Hopefully the conversations have been informative and thought provoking and you've enjoyed what my guests have had to say. I know I have. There's so many amazing people in the realm of mind, body, spirit, health and unity and free thought. And I've I've been very blessed to be able to have some of these conversations and connect with these people, people that I've looked up to, a lot of them. So really, really, really thankful for this opportunity and thank you for continuing to listen. So our guest for this episode is Lauren Geertsen. Lauren is a body connection coach and author of the upcoming book, The Invisible Corset, Break Free from Beauty Culture and Embrace Your Radiant Self. Her website, empoweredsustenance.com, has supported over 40 million readers with holistic recipes and resources. And she's also the founder of Floral Song Flower Essences, which can be found at floralsong.com. Thanks for tuning in. And here is the episode with Lauren. You can also follow Lauren on Instagram at body underscore connection underscore coach. The way forward is to respect the law of free will, to encourage mind, body, and spirit wellness, to promote love, compassion, and understanding to be of service to others, and to honor the inherent sacred connection between all things. Lauren, um, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I think like when I started on my journey of speaking out on social media, you were like one of the first people I'd connected with, I think, if I remember correctly. 
I certainly think I connected with you early. I was so grateful and just in the background, like applauding every time you made a post. And it's, it's, I'm really grateful we can chat today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And you post some amazing content as well. So um, I wanted to start just to provide the necessary context of how what led you to intuitive plant medicine. Because previous to you sending me that article, I had never even heard of intuitive plant medicine. And I've heard of some like very uh, like alternative things, you know, like alternative approaches to healing. So super cool to read that. Um, but what led you to that point? Like where, what started your healing journey? So I had an autoimmune uh, disease when I was 14. I was diagnosed with that. And that was really the beginning of realizing how out of touch I was with my body um, and how I had complete Stockholm syndrome with the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, so yeah, between the ages of 14 and 18, uh, my disease, it was ulcerative colitis, continually worsened, even though I was trying all the medications. I mean, I was popping a pharmacy basically every day. Hmm. And uh, by the time I was 18, I was basically bedridden. And my doctors were like, okay, so your last remaining option is a surgery to remove your colon. Uh, Yeah. And they were like, you know, the deal is it will work for a little while. Then we're probably going to have to go back in and take out more tissue because it doesn't stop the disease. It just kind of slows the progress. And this little light bulb went off of like, Oh, you think you're telling me you can help, but it's not really going to in the long term." And, uh, yeah. And I, I really had gotten good at silencing my intuition mm-hmm. um, at this point, because I think that's what happens when hypersensitive people and empaths, healers and right? empaths, exactly. When we try to live that quote, normal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, like, normal is a relative term, right? <laughs> now mm-hmm, we know that. Mm-hmm. So I had really shut down communication from my body, but there was just one whisper of my intuition left. And it said, you have to try something different. Mm -hmm. And basically a book jumped off the bookshelf at me and it outlined a natural uh, nutrition protocol, a grain-free diet, and it was called Breaking the Vicious Cycle. It's very similar to the GAPS diet. Okay, cool. If you're familiar. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just knew I needed to try it, even though my doctors had said nutrition wouldn't help. So Had you asked that before? Like, had you made mention of like... Had you ever come across anything that's showing like, hey, maybe if you started eating this way and then like approach your doctor like, hey, I read this. I didn't really question. Wow. I didn't really question. I, um, I was young and they were the authority, you mm-hmm. know? As most and, people, like in most people in that situation, that was the same thing with my wife. It was the mm-hmm. same thing with my mom, right? So yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the nutrition pamphlets I did get from my doctors were like, you should have basically milkshakes and hamburgers when you're not in a flare in order to gain weight because you're going to be malnourished and lose weight when you are in a flare. Oh like, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I did start this dietary protocol though, and within three days, my acute symptoms were gone. Um, within three months, I had chosen to stop all my meds and not return to my doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt compelled to share my healing journey. I started a website called Empowered Sustenance, started sharing the research, research that I had found and, and recipes for this grain-free diet. Was it a big yeah. shock to you initially, like when, you, when it started to work? I don't know if it was a shock. It was the most 
empowering experience I've ever had in my life because I felt like I got my future back. Yeah, like, that's cool. Because I couldn't, it was at a point in my life where when I imagined the future, all I could see was black and mm-hmm. dark. And I wasn't suicidal, um, but I was just so, I just before that had such a sense of, I have nothing really to live for, like, mm. except for pain. Yeah. Um, just chronic inflammation. This is going to be the rest of my existence type of thing. Yeah. It's going to be perpetually worse. Exactly. And it was taking yeah. my, I felt like it was taking my life away. I was mm. like, wow, this is the reason I can't go to college. This is the reason I can't keep dancing. The mm. Two things that were really important to me. Um, but I had this, I had this realization when I started healing myself, which was my body is on my side. Mm-hmm. my doctors had told me your body is trying to kill you. It is your enemy. You need our intervention to save you from yourself. Mm-hmm. And I realized, Oh, wait a minute. My body has the information that it needs to heal me. It's leading me to that. Um, and it actually saved me from a life that was not in alignment mm-hmm. with me. Like it ejected me from a fate that would have killed my soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I could be grateful for that. Yeah, that's really cool to, like, to put it like that, right? Because I know some people, and justifiably so, that have been so angry with their body for doing what it did, right? But you mm-hmm. took it as a positive. Did you see some of the symptoms that you were experiencing as sort of just like a message from your body? Like, hey, we need to switch things up. Is that the, how you look at it in hindsight now? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I tell my clients now is your symptoms are simply divine messages from your body. Mm-hmm. And when we're stuck in that mentality of feeling betrayed by our body and stuck in that mentality of anger towards our body, I know that very well from my own experience, but it shut me down from being mm-hmm. able to listen to that inner wisdom. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting too the sort of like dynamic when you approach a doctor and you just as, as does everyone in the United States, I, I think I've said this a hundred times on my podcast, so I feel bad for the listeners, but <laughs> in America, I always say this because it's so true. We are taught what to think rather than how to think. And because of that, we are severed from our intuition. We outsource our, uh, that intuition to an authority figure or an expert and blindly assume that they know best. What happens though when they have financial interests? What happens when they have been indoctrinated in themselves or taught to think a certain way and accept a certain thing? Like they may not have our best best interest in mind. And I don't know if it's malicious necessarily. It's usually not. It's just that this is all they know and they haven't peered outside that box. Amen to all of that. And and that was really the second part of my healing journey. I ended up um having a series of spiritual relationships that um or spiritual experiences and kind of a awakening relationship. Um and these spiritual experiences shattered my perception of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I had past life awakenings, um, wow. a, a dream, um, a couple dreams. Uh, and it was such a profound experience because I realized I can either believe my soul um, or I can continue to believe the reality that had been prescribed to me by the external authorities. Like by my religion, I was very wow. religious and I was very scientific. Like I'm writing this not, point down because yeah. that was such a good quote that I might have to use. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Keep going, please. Yeah. 
Um, and another experience was a, a Kundalini awakening. And mm. I didn't know what this was, but in Ayurvedic literature, it's described as kind of this, this primal energy that's stored in the base chakra. And when it kind of rises up and aligns through all the chakras, you have this moment of enlightenment. And um, so I had this very unexpected experience of like, I felt your the light body vibrating. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I had the same. It's so cool. Mm, mm-hmm, it is. And it was really, um, I mean, I felt way out of control. And um, when this happened, I when all the, I felt like my chakras all lighting up, the light shooting out of my head. And I did have this moment of what I'll call enlightenment. I wish it could have lasted longer. But <laughs> it was this moment where I realized I was like in this dimension where there was no time, mm-hmm. where there was no space. Um, where I realized that I, I had lived before this and had known other souls, in particular a soul that was in my life right now. Um, and it was just this, this experience of, okay, I can believe my soul that this is real and I'm going to have to leave behind uh, a lot of, you know, the reality that had, I had nicely put in this little box. Yeah, that's so, so cool. So when you first started your healing journey, what year was that? Um, uh, 2012. 2012. Okay. Yeah. When, when did these things start happening? Cause you hear this a lot in talking with people who mm. start cleaning up the inside of themselves, not necessarily like mm-hmm. the Kundalini awakening thing that that does happen to some, right? Like I've mm-hmm. had actually two other people on my podcast who described the exact same thing, which is so rad. It's that so is. Thing the same, right? But, it, there's this weird thing. It's not that weird from your and I's perspective, but it mm-hmm. is something of note that when people start cleaning up their insides, they see the true nature of this reality, not in a religious sense, but in a very spiritual sense for, with such clarity, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's like really interesting. So when did that, like those Kundalini and spiritual experiences start happening for you? Uh, like 2015. Okay, so after some time of like cleaning up the inside of yourself, okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a really interesting parallel that you notice with some of the other guests. I, I hadn't heard that before, but I, I really do think it's true. You know, if you um, can address that mindset, it, it's almost like getting into that mindset of empowerment of um, I don't have to be in this abusive relationship with the pharmaceutical industry or with you know big food and and big pharma. Um, I. I I think it does lead to freedom, spiritual freedom. When you, when you first started waking up, did you go down that rabbit hole of like the pharmaceutical industry and everything like that too, once you started? Because on one hand, like you had been taught these things, right? And then the other, you're like, that's weird. I'm healing now and I feel way better than I've ever felt, but I'm not taking any drugs. So mm-hmm. did, did you start going down that rabbit hole as well? I did. And that's, um, I became a full-time health blogger. Um, and so I really I went way in, in depth in all that research. And I, I wrote a lot about that. And it, you know, it was, it's an experience of a lot of anger and like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Especially <laughs> because so many are wrapped up in, into that system. Right. And they yeah. don't even realize that they are. I always describe it as, and I'm sure like you could relate to this. Someone, when someone is in an abusive relationship, when you shine a light on their abuser, but they're trauma bonded to that abuser. They think that abuser loves them, even though they're doing extremely harmful things to them. When you try to show them that abuser, they lash out at you because it puts them into a state of cognitive dissonance that's extremely uncomfortable. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And if you had said that to me five years ago, I wouldn't have been able to hear it because I was in that place with a person. And that was the other big piece of my like healing journey and quote awakening. Um, I got into a relationship with a psychopath. Mm. Um, and, and I, my soul was called into this relationship. Like I knew that we had a past life connection. I knew that I needed, I loved this person beyond lifetimes and I went willingly into the relationship. Um, or so I thought, but Mm. what happened was he was my healthcare practitioner and nutrition mentor. And what I would learn at the end of the relationship was he had about a 20 year career of being a professional predator to his young students and clients. Oh my God. Um, and so I didn't recognize that. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't recognize that he uh, was, you know, professionally manipulating me in, in order to sexually abuse me and financially oh exploit me. Um, and so I, for years, was in a complete oblivious and codependent state. Um, but now I know from like at the depth of my soul that I was spiritually called into this relationship so that I could experience psychopathic dynamics Mm -hmm. so that I could recognize them because I literally could not have comprehended that there existed a mentality in a human being that would um, intentionally make me sick. This is what this man did in his practice. He intentionally gave me supplements and um, nutrition protocols that made me weak so that I could be controlled. He intentionally created emergencies, um, fabricated emergencies so that I was stressed out, which I then learned severs you from your intuition, right? Fear and stress severs you from your intuition. Um, Another parallel here was he shamed me for resting or having any kind of play or creativity. Again, what our culture does in order to separate us from our intuition. Like all of these pieces that now I can see on a bigger scale. Well, it's interesting you say, and like, first off, like looking at that situation, because that's, that's kind of how I look at like how I grew up now. If you had Mm -hmm. told me in the midst of it, or even before I really started healing it four years ago, I would have like punched, like I got in fistfights with people over stuff like this. You know what I mean? Like that's just, Mm -hmm. that's how I, um, in that cognitive distance, I would lash out at people, you know? And now knowing what I know, I look back on that experience like, wow, I'm so glad I went through that because I can see so much of the systems that we operate with in society with such clarity that I could not see prior. And now just like you do so marvelously, so fantastically is like you use that lens and that knowing and understanding to help other people who are starting to step into that be able to see it which is, mm-hmm. which is the most important thing at this time in history. It's interesting though, like I was making notes on everything that you said right here, it intentionally made you sick, mm-hmm. made you stressed out, always put emergency, like, like made, always created emergencies and then shamed you for living essentially. Mm-hmm. That sounds eerily similar to <laughs> what, <laughs> what the pharmaceutical industry does and what is going on right now with COVID-19. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And the other crazy parallel was I realized this is what beauty culture and what the beauty industry does to women. Yeah. Um, and that's my other like big passion. I, I just wrote a book on, on that and how women can kind of reclaim their psyches and their lives from 
all the shame and manipulation in the beauty industry. But I was like, wow, that's the same pattern there as well. Mm -hmm. Here at The Way Forward, we believe in living a happy, health-conscious lifestyle. But being healthy can be complex. Joey's Hot Sauce makes it simple. Using the freshest, organic, gluten-free ingredients, Joey was inspired to make a hot sauce for the love of his life, Lisa. Together, they live a life committed to health and wellness. So when Lisa said that she wished there was no sugar in every tasty hot sauce, Joey made that wish a reality. He called upon the Italian cooking skills of his 90-year-old Calabrian mother to make a hot sauce just for her. And she loved it. And so did everyone else who tried it. So we decided to bottle it and began sharing it with the world. Using zero sweeteners and binders, this sauce is sure to make your taste buds fire up. Visit joeyshotsauce.com and enter promo code TWF at checkout for 20% off your order. Burn all this hate away, hot sauce on everything. The fear that multiple industries and organizations sort of push onto people to get them to buy into these systems because it's either fear-based or shame-based. They make people think through manipulation, through psychological manipulation, and really gaslighting a lot of the techniques that are used by uh, abusive people are used in mass on like the collective scale to try to psychologically manipulate people to buy into these things, even against their own intuition. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think that the spiritual inner work of, of knowing, you know, when are you making a decision from fear and what does that feel like? What does it, what does it feel like? Because then you can understand if your decision-making process is being influenced by manipulation and control. Mm -hmm. Like that was something I had to work on. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like re reconnecting with your intuition in a way mm -hmm. to outside of a position of fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you reconnected with your intuition, where did that lead you to intuitive plant medicine? Yeah, it, it was um, a, a dear friend of mine who was a flower essence uh, practitioner mm -hmm. and so I was visiting her in Hawaii where she would make these, these incredible blends. And uh, I'm just going to explain what flower essences are because I no, think No, please explain okay. everything. Cause okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're super popular in Europe, but they're a little less known, especially in the U.S. Um, and the thing I want to clarify is they're not essential oils. Essential okay. oils are the extract when you apply pressure and steam to a plant and you get out the, the actual oil and it's very fragrant. What flower essences are is an infusion of the flower's energy in water. So it is kind of like a photocopy of that living flower's energy okay. um, that is then delivered to the body. You take them internally. So it's more similar to homeopathy in that the active ingredient is energy uh, rather okay. than um, you know, a chemical compound that's been extracted okay, from cool. the plant. Yeah. Um, so this is what this, this woman made, and she would communicate with plants to know what the energetic healing properties were 
that those plants had to operate. How did she communicate with him? Was it like, because I, I took a meditation class, it was a Qigong meditation class, and we learned to connect with like inanimate objects, the higher self of that object, and mm. like realize that if consciousness is all that is, then consciousness can be impressed upon something. So I'm sure if in that class we learned to communicate with spoons for the intent of bending them, right? Oh, right, right. Yeah, then if it was an actual object that had organic substance to it, that it has much more life to it, much more consciousness to it, maybe mm -hmm. not the degree to which we do as human beings, but it still has consciousness inside of it. Is it like mm -hmm. that type of thing? It is. What I, what I believe is that there is... Um, energetic communication between all beings. I think that's the level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really didn't know what she meant when she said she communicates with plants until she was like taking me on a hike and she's just like, Lauren, try it. What I want you to do is just keep your awareness open to whatever plant wants to come into your awareness. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I think this is your thing. <laughs> but I kept an open mind and I was, I was walking and I, it was like one little purple flower out of the corner of my eye. It was like she raised her hand and she said, pick me. And so it was cool. clear, it was clear words. And I, in my earlier part of my spiritual journey, I had had experiences where kind of my psychic senses opened up mm -hmm. um, and I had started channeling. Um, I had started communicating with loving beings. Um, and part of this was out of survival because this psychopathic person had um, connections to the darkest spiritual forces mm, okay. and dark spiritual entities. Do you think that this was like uh, a conscious thing that he was doing? Cause like I know some people can be subconsciously uh, spiritually hijacked in a way by mm -hmm. like uh, mo I guess evil forces, right? Like evil mm -hmm. spirits. Was it, do you think it was a conscious thing with him? Like he was doing it knowingly? It was both. He oh, was a dark magician. Disturbing. Oh boy. And that's really disturbing. I did not know what that was. And mm -hmm. again, I am glad I have this awareness now because this is what, this is what leaders in our worlds who are working for the dark call on consciously. And that's a big topic for people to wrap their head around. 100%. Cause it like, I don't, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but yeah. I like, I'm so glad you drew that parallel because it's like the most evil of evils are ones who understand that we are all one and mm. play that against us. And yes. well, that's a deep thought. Mm -hmm. You should pull that for a quote. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I should. should. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cause that's what's going on though. Right? Like yeah. that's what's happening. Exactly. So I it, like in order to save myself because I had been pulled into this dark world, I had to call on forces that were lighter and that were greater than me lighter and greater than those other forces. And um, that's when I did start experiencing like this energetic telepathic communication with different dimensions. So I knew what that felt like in my body. I knew that it, it kind of felt like words were originating within my body, um, almost like felt, but they were clear words. And so mm -hmm. I could recognize that when it came from the plant. That's so um, cool. Yeah, yeah. So this and, purple flower that like raised its hand your first time doing this, like what did mm -hmm. you feel? Like what, what was the feeling it gave you in, in the mm -hmm. form of like communication? Um, uh, joy and purpose. That's cool. Like what's interesting is uh, <laughs> what, I, what I then ha learned um, after I kind of practiced this and, and experienced it more was that 
in all ancient cultures, the shamans and the tribal healers all made their medicines because they said the plants would sing to them the healing that they wanted to offer. Mm. And the key word there is wanted. Like there was this indigenous idea that plants have a spiritual purpose that they want to share in the same way that humans have a spiritual purpose that we want to share. Mm-hmm. Um, That's I, so I, cool. Isn't that beautiful? Like takes the symbiotic relationship that we have on in the physical to another level. When you think about like the metaphysical and spiritual connectedness that our environment wants to have with us as well. Yeah. And I had heard this from animal intuitives as well. There's a beautiful documentary on this woman, Anna Breitenbach. She um, can telepathically communicate with I've, animals. I'm familiar. Seen this, that? That's so okay. cool. Yeah, yeah. It's so beautiful. And so At least I think like, it's the same one. Is this the one who, like, I don't know if you've seen the video of uh, she communicates with, like, a black panther at a zoo? Yes. Yeah, okay. That, it was, like, mind-blowing. And then see, see how the panther completely changed its behavior because he felt validated for the first time when she was like, he just wants to know that you like understand that he's beautiful and he's worthy of being taken care of. Yeah. He's a spiritual being. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so cool. Exactly. I'm so glad you've seen that. And yeah. And kind of something that she says over and over is like animals have wisdom Mm -hmm. that they want to share with humanity. Like they can tell us how to live healthier lives. They can tell us how to be more united. Um, they want to share that wisdom for the betterment of all. And at least from my experience now, I really believe plants have that same innate desire. That's cool. So it's almost like, like you're taking the approach of a shaman in a way, right? Like that's, mm. that's literally what shamans do. I know I had watched a documentary where I think he was a botanist, went to Peru and was trying to figure out like how these shamans that do ayahuasca ceremonies like knew, he's trying to get to the root of, how they knew exactly which tree bark to use, which had the uh, DMT in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also the, I think it was a a root that has an enzyme to block like, or some type of uh, chemical to block the enzyme in our stomach that like uh, processes, I think liver actually that processes the DMT. So it doesn't actually cause us to have a sort of psychedelic experience. Mm -hmm. And when he asked them, like, how did you know which ones to use? The shaman was like, well, the, the plants told us which ones to use, like the, the spirit in the forest told us to. And he was like, okay, like that's what the Bible says when they say this, but for real, like, what did you mean by that? And the shaman was like, no, literally like when you sit and listen, the plants tell you which one to use. And we knew then which one to use and it worked. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a really cool Ted talk on this as well. The same thing, the process of making ayahuasca and this researcher had a very similar um, discussion with some of the shamans in Peru. And they're, they're basically 17 almost indistinguishable varieties of one of the plants that is used to make ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Um, so it actually, like they're subspecies of the same plant and visually it's almost impossible to tell them apart. Um, but you can with la- laboratory um, tools. So <laughs> the um, researchers were quite puzzled because they're like, how did these indigenous people figure out the 17 different varieties when they all look the same? Mm-hmm. And the shaman said, well, they sing in a different key on the night of the full moon. <laughs> I know. So cool. That's it's so, so cool. cool. And, you know, the more I practiced and got in tune with the plant communication, it I did have this sense of music. I had this sense of 
um, you know, and sometimes it was, it wasn't auditory. Sometimes it was like a very energetic sensation, like, like a vibratory, um, like you feel the, the tone almost type of thing. Uh, yeah. It was like, um, some, like, I, I don't know the actual name of this plant, but when I was in Arizona, it, it was like a very like honey, like liquid golden property that I could just feel on my body. And then, um, for one of the essences I made, um, I used lantana flowers and that communication from that flower was just, I heard them saying, zing, go the strings of the heart. And oh, just cool. this complete sense of, of joy and a little like, like bubbling. And, um, so it's, it's a very fun process mm -hmm. to get in touch with that. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Um, so like, as you started developing these skills more, how did you take them into practice? Like with some, like, do you use this skill for your clients as well? Like, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So I formulate flower essences based on the communication I'm getting from flowers. Okay. Um, so and do you try to cater them to individual clients' needs or like how, how do you go about that? Again, I would, I just base it on what do the flowers want to offer? That's so cool. Um, and it really, it's crazy how much it lines up to my clients' needs. So like for one blend, um, Shining Star, it is about kind of self-expression, expanding your energy. And what I found was it was a perfect energetic match for uh, I specialize in helping women heal their relationship with food and body image. Mm -hmm. And this was a big piece in helping them accept their bodies exactly as they are without a sense of needing to control or change before they can love themselves and also overcoming sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. um, so two big pieces of healing that a lot of my clients need um, and, and the flowers had that sense. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. um, so like in the, I'm sure you've like in some of your clients have approached you and been like sort of like skeptical of what you offer. Mm. What is that? What has that experience been? And like when you have a client that you take on who's skeptical and then you see the light switch on, cause I'm sure like pretty much every one of the clients that you offer this, like have an experience where like, Oh my God, like this is actually helping me heal. What is, what is that process? Like, is it like the same thing that you went through yourself individually? That's a great question. I'm going to say I get most of the skepticism from, well, readers on my website. Mm -hmm. um, because by the time clients come to me, they're really at a place in their healing journey and they've known me long enough in my work long enough where they're mm -hmm. like, maybe this sounds a little crazy, but I'm, I'm ready to find help and I'm going to trust Lauren. Yeah. Um, and they're like, they're like brought to the edge of their current paradigm, no longer working for them. So they're like, I got to try something else. Exactly. But, um, I have gotten a lot, a lot of flack for, um, peddling quote pseudoscience oh my God. or, you know, quackery and all this stuff. And what, um, I explain in various different blog posts is the most scientific perspective is ignorance. Mm -hmm. Because if there's anything that science has showed us, it's that our old perceptions and the dogmas that we've adhered to have actually held back scientific progress um, and, uh, I really like the quote from a, a book titled ignorance. Uh, I think the subtitle is, uh, how it furthers science, something like that. It's by mm -hmm. Stuart, um, Firestein, who's chair of biological sciences at Columbia university. Mm -hmm. And he gives this example of, you know, once upon a time we could have 
showed a cell phone to indigenous people and it, it, it wouldn't have made sense, mm-hmm. but it was scientific. Um, so like the spectrum of, you know, electromagnetic frequencies that we couldn't have comprehended 60 years ago, uh, they were so far outside of our awareness. Now we can actually measure them and utilize them. What if there are other spectrums of energy that right now we can't comprehend and we can't measure, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. Absolutely. And like, I love that point because this goes back to this paradigm of really like science as a religion, almost like scientism. Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the science, I forget the actual quote. I actually just posted it on Instagram the other day. It was a former journal, uh, journal edit, editor for the New England uh, Journal of Medicine. And mm-hmm. she basically said that like most pharma-backed science, can, or like science that is published in medical journals cannot be replicated and actually is completely bullshit, for lack of a better word. I think I know the exact quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. yes, yeah, I love it. I, I, I know I love it too. Um, and it's like, it's validating for, for people like us, obviously, because like we've stepped out of those systems and healed for the first time in our life, especially like you, my wife, my mom, and then me watching it all happen. I'm like, I changed my own ways. And there was, I didn't think I was sick, but I actually was, whether that be mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, I stepped out of that system and, and healed for the first time, truly felt peace in my life mm-hmm. and felt well within myself. Um, it's validating, but it also sheds the light on like how, people that are bought into that system don't realize that they're in a system that is completely, um, for lack of a better term, just straight up lying to them about the nature of what they're buying into. Yes. Yes. And what I, I see the parallel growing up in not an extreme fundamentalist religion, but around, I was, I was homeschooled and in a circle of more extreme fundamentalism Mm. Um, the same defensiveness and emotional fragility and anger that these, these people had towards information, um, that didn't align with their religious paradigm. I see that exact energetic and emotional pattern in, in people who encounter information that doesn't align with their scientific paradigm. Mm -hmm. And what's so ironic is usually these people are so arrogant and condescending towards religious fundamentalists. But <laughs> so, that's so true. At the, at the emotional level, they yeah. are functioning at the same like cognitive pattern. That's so true. Like <laughs> they're, they're the ones that like are the quickest to highlight how much they despise religion for the exact same, same thing that they are doing within themselves as it applies to really corrupt pharma backed science, like medical science. Right. <laughs> right. Like projection much. <laughs> It's so funny because like I look back because I grew up as an evangelical Christian, but like when I say that, it's very loose. It's just like we went Mm -hmm. to like church for Christmas and for Easter and like didn't really practice what we preach, you know, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. But regardless, it's like I look back now from my healed position on Christianity and on Christ as Mm -hmm. something like in a very fond way, um, like I have admiration for who Christ was, you know, and who Jesus Christ was. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting, like, because they ha- still haven't healed that within themselves, they're still projecting that wounding that they may or may not have in their own, like, previous religion, and, like, applying the same emotional, um, I, I guess, ties to their current position in understanding science. 
mm-hmm. or like pharma back science. It's really interesting. And then the yes. other piece of that is like touching on our sort of stagnation that we're experiencing right now in the scientific community. And that's obviously still like a piece of the manipulation of this pharmaceutical industry. It's really interesting because like touching on me taking this class with Dr. Edith Ubuntu Chan, who's a traditional Chinese medicine doctor, and she gives the Qigong meditation class. This is like, it was, it was so cool by the fourth week of the class and it, we learned Qigong meditation and then spoon bending was a piece of that. That's right? so cool. Yeah, it was super rad. And day or the fourth week, I think like 12 out of the 14 people in the class were able to bend spoon. And like we w- witnessed it happen with each other, like on zoom, like saw mm. how easily the spoon bent and everything. And it was like, Science, if you were to approach a scientist with that right now, or like someone who bought into this system, they would be like, oh my God, that's quackery. And it's like anything that science cannot definitively prove right now, they immediately like throw away as something that is not possible. Do you know um, the the work of Thomas Kuhn? Have you Mm -hmm. heard of him? Okay, so he is a scientific philosopher and wrote a book called On the... on shoot what is the title scientific revolutions on the structure of scientific revolutions in the 1960s and what you're talking about the phenomena of bending spoons the phenomena of using basically the technology of consciousness to change Mm. physical reality um people reject this because it's what thomas kuhn would call an anomaly meaning it's evidence that doesn't fit into our current structure Uh, scientific dogma and so he found that over and over the way that science progresses is people reject those now anomalies reject 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 but eventually you can't sweep them under the carpet because you have a mountain Mm -hmm. of anomalies and it is at that point that um, you kind of break the previous paradigm in order to incorporate the new worldview and so I, I think we are at this culmination point in our culture and in the materialistic and reductionistic perspective of science enough anomalies are accumulating and something's going to have to break soon yeah i love that you touched on reductionism there because like that is another piece of how we learn in western culture specifically we reduce things to their simplest form and don't think of other uh I guess, pieces of the equation or other variables that play into something. So like, as it pertains to, let's say autoimmunity, right? Like I even see people that are in our community that have been injured by vaccines that Mm -hmm. apply that and like, oh, any autoimmune injury is only caused by vaccines. Mm -hmm. And that's also reductionist thinking in and of itself too, because there's other factors that play into autoimmunity and it isn't always vaccines. Absolutely. And you know, the, the example I give of how reductionism doesn't work is from uh, this biochemist Rupert Sheldrake. And he wrote a fabulous book called Science Set Free. And it's about 10 dogmas that hold back science. And he says that reductionism is like grinding up a computer and studying the molecules of copper and nickel to try mm-hmm. to figure out how the computer works. <laughs> like, that's what we do it, yeah. with the body to understand the human body. We forget that there's energetic and societal levels and mm-hmm. spiritual levels. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with flower essences. Like I could grind up these plants, try to extract components from it, and I could never recreate the, um, the energetic harmony of that living plant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? No, that makes a lot of sense. Like as it exists, it, like 
that's another piece of that that I like thought of immediately is like the plant as it is is like has a specific I guess expression of consciousness the way that it exists in and of itself that like is not to be manipulated. And that's a that's a like good caveat or segue or not caveat segue to like talking about um, back touching back on scientism like the religion mm. of science and the belief that like that or basically that humanity is biologically dependent on unnatural synthetic pharmaceutical products for survival. Mm-hmm. And it's tying in the anomaly piece of that. You have so many people who are stepping out of that system. You, my mom, like so many people that we've connected with on social media and science would call these people anomaly, anomalies. They actually straight up ignore them, but nonetheless, like from their perspective, they're probably like, Oh, those are just anomalies. They, they, uh, they aren't representative of the whole, but I feel like it's going to come to a point where the more and more people step out of these systems and continue to heal, it's no longer an anomaly. You can't be, you can't ignore it anymore that there's something fundamentally wrong with buying into this system of allopath, allopathic medicine, essentially. I completely agree. I am eagerly await, awaiting that point where we get to that, that realization. But what I think one of the biggest impediments to that is, um, it's the same in, in terms of like a narcissistic abusive situation because we've been taught to not believe the victim yeah. and to believe the abuser. Um, and I just, I see this so often because now when I share data on, for example, uh, psychotropic pharmaceutical drugs based on a brain chemical imbalance theory, you know, this, it, yes. it doesn't work. The theory has been disproven. These drugs make, it's proven over and over again too over and over again but when i present this information inevitably i'm told that i'm quote medication shaming yeah like we cognitively people have been taught to um believe the abuser believe the pharmaceutical industry and shame and vilify the victims of the system just like a toxic relationship 100 percent, and that's one of the most frustrating things to me is like when i see people that i know like that i know personally who have mm-hmm. as an example like vaccine injured kids like mm-hmm. kids who they witnessed firsthand were walking talking functioning completely normal and then received six to seven vaccines in one sitting stop making eye contact stop walking stop talking and then a year later is diagnosed with autism or has like chronic seizures, um, chronic autoimmune conditions, like right at, and they're functioning normally prior to being vaccinated. Right. And then these parents are trying to help other people not buy into that experience that they did trying to save people from having the same issues that they have that are like forever have forever changed their children. And they, they feel so much shame that mm-hmm. they bought into like what a doctor had told them to do blindly, yada, yada, yada. They're trying to explain it to other people. And these people are shaming the shit out of them. And really, just like you said, believing the abuser over the one that was abused. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think this is a, a mass propaganda technique, a mass brainwashing technique of categorizing people so that you can dismiss them based on they're in a certain category. They're in the category of conspiracy theorists or they're in the category of anti-vaxxers. Um, and, and now the population is brainwashed to 
vilify and dismiss those people based on the category they're in. Absolutely. It's um, so interesting too. Cause it's like yeah. the other day, um, my wife showed me her sister had sent her something on Snapchat and like her sister understands where we come from and like agrees with most of the things that we say. So mm-hmm. she was sending as like, Oh my God, did you see this? And it was a, I believe a uh, daily mail article that, um, discussed how anti-vaxxers are dangerous threat to co- like COVID-19 still existing and the same thing as anti-maskers. It's really interesting. In the article, they had screenshots of different Facebook posts from anti-vaccine people. And they were the most outlandish, easily disprovable mm-hmm. like quotes from anti-vaxxers. But it's so manipulative because a person who isn't understanding of that or the manipulation that's being imposed upon them by the mainstream media backed by the pharmaceutical industry reads that and is like, oh my God, this is what, like, these are three anti-vaccine quotes. This is what anti-vaxxers believe. Oh my God, they are dangerous. You know what I mean? It reminds me of like those, I, I don't, I haven't had TV in my whole adult life. I haven't, but it reminds me of the YouTube clips I've seen of media interviewing Trump supporters. And of course they pick the craziest people. Oh my God. You know, it's just yes. like that example. Yes, it, it, yeah. exactly. And it's like, <clears throat> when you see that, like you have to feel for, again, the, the abused in this situation, because like not only are, are their children forever changed or people who are suffering from like chronic mm-hmm. autoimmune conditions that are trying to like step out of it and help other people step out of it. Like this applies to so many different areas of allopathic medicine, right? It's like you have to really feel for them and like almost have a, a certain level of like respect and admiration for them because their willingness to take that criticism but still continue speaking uh, despite that criticism that they're taking and the censoring that they're taking and being torn apart in the media like that is very, very, very admirable. It really is. It, um, this feels like another lesson that I had to get on an individual level mm-hmm. in order to do it on a broader level. Um, I, when I came forward against my abuser within my nutrition community, and publicly, um, I mean, I was kind of, kind of a little darling of this nutrition association. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was their, you know, uh, uh, renowned healer and everybody mm-hmm. looked up to him. Mm-hmm. I had some supporters within the community, but I was torn apart publicly. I showed up to speak at their conference. Um, shortly after this, this happened, I was booked as a speaker and um, I got so much vitriolic hatred in person walking through the hallways. And it was so interesting in those moments. I just, I knew deep down, I was like, this is my training ground. Mm-hmm. Am I, am I going to live up to this moment to develop the skills to be this hated in person, this vilified online, my reputation dragged through the mud in front of the people whose opinion I value the most. Mm-hmm. Um, because truly, truly, that is the skill set that the world needs right now, mm-hmm. is people who can step into that strength, who know that um, I am not going to control other people's perception of me. I am going to be loyal to the truth first and foremost. And um, it is just, it is hard work. And I just have such a, a deep admiration and respect for the people who are in, kind of in the front lines of that right now. Yeah, that's like, that's really amazing that you again can look back on that experience and hindsight and sort of like realize that it was for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And 
regardless of how much you're being dragged through the mud in that situation, knowing that you're standing firm in what the truth is ultimately, and you have that to fall back on that can never be taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And people that are exposing the corruption and the nefarious intentions of the pharmaceutical industry, like ultimately it's the same thing for them. Like they will always have that truth to fall back on. And then the other piece of it is like, as, as I'm sure it applies to this situation too, that, that person that you experience this with is going to injure and harm more and more people. So more and more people are going to step out and speak up. And it's going to, like the anomaly thing, it's going to get to a point where more and more people are going to continue. Like I always, I always use this quote, I have never met a person who has previously anti-vaccine that is now pro-vax. Conversely, I know so many people who are previously pro-vaccine that are now anti-vax. It's going to reach a boiling point eventually where mm-hmm. this can no longer be suppressed. Mm-hmm. It will be. It will be. And it just is like, how many people can we save <laughs> before yes. that happens? Yes. And, and that really was, you know, um, I think mama bear energy, mm-hmm. that kind of energy, whether or not somebody is a mom, whether or not even you're, if you're man or woman, I do think it is calling upon that primal energy that's going to get us to that, to that point. And, um, that's what I called on. You know, I was so determined that this man was not going to treat another woman the way he treated me. And I, I came forward. I, I, the first week that I found out basically everything and how long the pattern had been going on and how abusive it was, I contacted about seven other women, seven of his past victims mm-hmm. that week in total, 12 women came forward with me. Wow. Um, and I, uh, had all the, you know, in all my legal proceedings and, and, you know, every step of the process, I just had this, this primal protective energy of, I am the last one. This is not happening after me. That's so badass. Um, that had to yeah. feel so empowering too, though, right? <laughs> it, it really was. It really was. But I, I see that energy, you know, in the world right now. I see that energy from the mothers who have the vaccine and her child. They have strength that just like when I see it online, I fall out of my chair because it's so powerful. They're like unfazed. It's, it's honestly like amazing how much, so, like, because I know some of the people who are literally drugged through the mud by mainstream media mm-hmm. like, that I know personally, Stefania mm-hmm. Christian being one of them. And she could give, like, sorry, excuse my language for all the people listening. She could give two fucks because mm-hmm. she knows that her name being drugged through the mud is not the important thing. The important thing is helping other people not be harmed by this oppressive and super, super, super harmful system. Exactly. Yeah, that, that is the strength that's going to change the world right now. Yeah. And that's so cool that like you've been able to take that from that individual experience and apply it to how you, I don't want to say attack because it's not attacking, but how you apply it to uh, helping other people here right now, heal right now. And like your work on social media, media, helping people see and wake up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's super <laughs> you. cool. Um, so the last question I have for you, like I want to, I want to try to tie this into COVID-19 a little bit. Mm-hmm. What are some similarities that you see um, that you are experiencing with that per- like very dark person that you're experiencing? Um, what are some similarities you see with what's going on with COVID-19? And what are some collective solutions that we could implement, that you implemented on an individual level mm. to get out of that oppressive experience? What are some collective things that we could implement 
to get out of the experience that we're in right now or to heal from the experience we're in right now? Mm, such an important question. The first one you, you touched on earlier, which was the statement, I have your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're hearing this left and right. And what, what I, of course, my abuser said the same thing to me. It's the oldest trick in the book. And what I realized was I have to stop listening to his words. I have to start looking at the pattern of his behavior and the actual consequences of his behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, it's, it's harder work. But what people can do is start looking up, okay, what is the pattern of behavior that the CDC has in the past? Mm-hmm. Um, I've written on this uh, in an article called how to tell the difference between science and pseudoscience, kind of their disregard for the um, factual nutrition evidence mm-hmm. and promoting a very false nutrition narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just one example of how they haven't, they haven't been in alignment and they didn't have people's best interest at heart. And a lot of people are sharing other examples around vaccination, how mm-hmm. the CDC hasn't, have actions that back up those words. And mm-hmm. we can also look at what are the actual outcomes of what we're seeing right now in terms of lockdown. Is this helping people's health? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it helping is it helping people's you know mental health, but also is it helping um their financial stability, which is actually like 75% of the piece when it comes to people's health outcomes is financial stability. Yeah. Um, their income. Yeah. And, you know, that the, the 25% that we do have within our control of nutrition and, and movement, that's a big piece. It changed my life. But 75% is what is your socioeconomic status? Yeah. I mean, because that um, puts people into such a like massive state of stress and that goes into mental and spiritual health, which is mm-hmm. just as important, if not more important than some of the other pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where I get a little annoyed when people use the argument, um, oh, lockdown is bad for our economy. A lot of people are like, well, who cares about that when people are dying? And I, I think we need to come at it from the point of, um, but our financial stability is one of the biggest predictors in our health. 100%. And so, um, yeah, so that piece of, okay, we actually have to look at the, the outcomes and the pattern of behavior instead of listening to, is it in your best interest? And then, um, I guess the other big piece we talked about was, are you outsourcing authority? Hmm. And so how can you believe your soul right now? How can you practice believing your soul instead of believing the reality that is being projected by the media, by Hmm. the government? Uh, And that, I mean, that really is deeper work. And I think there are a lot of amazing tools out there for people to do that. I, I help people do that through my flower essences at floral song. I mean, I found those a really powerful tool to help people kind of reawaken their intuition. It's so cool. Cause again, I think we had touched on this a little bit earlier. I was not sure if it was before we started recording or as we were recording, but um, you hear this over and over again, people reconnecting with their intuition and they all see what's going on with COVID-19 with such clarity, mm-hmm. especially people that have dealt with, an abusive situation as you did, as I did growing up, when you have dealt with that situation, then you also have the backdrop of understanding that allopathic medicine is not 
conducive to a healthy life, right? Mm -hmm. Tying those two together with what's going on with COVID-19, you see it so clearly in so many people that have been in the same situations, the two specific ones with allopathic medicine and then like narcissistic abuse in a way, see what's going on so unbelievably clearly and so cool because just as I say in my messaging is it's exactly what you say is telling people to trust themselves first. It's not even Mm -hmm. like don't blindly accept what I'm saying either. Trust yourself first, reconnect with your own intuition first. Exactly. Exactly. Now I'm, I I had one other thought and I'm interested to hear what you think about this as well. Um, So when I was in this abusive relationship, I was told to, fear and hate certain other women in my circle because these were his shared victims. And so um, he was, my abuser told me like, oh, this woman hates you. Don't talk to her. Um, This woman, you know, she's not very intelligent. You won't connect with her. Um, So separating me from people who I could have had made two moments with Mm -hmm. on an individual level. And I see this in our culture, the way that the narrative is breaking up, families and friends. For example, I just had a, a f- extended family member who I, I dearly love post on her Instagram. Um, if you don't wear a mask, we can't be friends. Yeah. And I, this is happening on such a broad scale of people um, being like, Oh, if you don't agree with me, um, we can't have any further communication or connection when ironically it is the communication and connection um, that is needed for for the healing 100 percent, yeah you know? and like th- taking that a step further obviously like that's a huge piece of it too but it's uh they're trying to inhibit our or hinder our ability to mobilize and come together as a group i think mm-hmm. to a certain degree this industry realized and has been realizing that like it's getting to a breaking point uh, in their efforts to suppress everything. Mm-hmm. So they tried to, not that that was the entire intent of COVID-19, but to a certain degree it could have been right because they realized that their house of cards that they had built was about to completely topple over. So they wanted to suppress anything that could topple that over. And that's not allowing us to collectively unite which is why they're censoring people like us on social media, which is why they're tearing us apart in the media, which is why they're not allowing us to gather with each other, making us stay six feet apart. They don't want people like us to be able to mobilize and unite underneath the truth. But the interesting dynamic behind that is I always go back to what you resist persists and they're trying to resist us breaking open the truth. Mm. And it's actually causing more and more and more people to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderfully said. Yes. Yes. I didn't put those pieces together. I think you nailed it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, you, you get, you served me that one up on a like golden platter. So that was super easy <laughs> to know right there. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for this discussion. This was super cool. Um, I love that you like tied it back into like what I had uh, learned about ayahuasca. Cause that's kind of like what I took intuitive plant medicine to be. And like that just confirmed it as well. So that's super, super cool. But um, where can people find you and find some of your work? Mm-hmm. My flower essences are at floralsong.com. And then I'm on Instagram, although I think I'm moving to parlor soon. Yep. <laughs> um, but, but at least right now I'm on Instagram at body underscore connection underscore coach. And that is my second Instagram account. My first one did get shadow banned a while ago. No way. I yeah. Yeah. Um, 
actually like last year uh, before all this started. So I don't know what's happening. Um, And then my, uh, my book that's coming out, I'm super excited about this. It's been my heart project for the last few years is the invisible corset. And that's available Mm -hmm. for pre-order at invisiblecorset.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for this discussion. This was great. And we'll have to have you on again. So thank you, Alec. It was a great conversation. I'm just so, so deeply grateful for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. It means a lot. All right. See ya.